What is up, beautiful Dynasty Leaguers? Welcome back to the Dynasty Dynamic. I'm your host, Max Cascons, joined by the man who predicts fifth-year wide receiver breakouts, a.k.a. the Run DMC, a.k.a. Mr. Dan McAuliffe. Dan, how you doing, buddy? Maxwell, I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good, especially because apparently right now the prophecy has been foretold. We're seeing Mike Williams doing pretty well right now in the season. We're seeing my man Corey Davis sticking in the top 20 wide receivers, which I'll take right now. So uh got to start uh, using that crystal ball a little bit more. Start betting on some uh, some ponies and stuff, I guess. For those listening at home, this is what we call cheating in the podcasting industry because Dan led with uh, not the player that he projected. So we have it on record. We will pull the receipts. We gave you the chance to switch to Mike Williams on the air and you chose to stick with Corey Davis. Uh, no, I mean, fair as I said, I like both of them very much. So let the record show I've stated both of them. Fifth year breakouts. We're going to see where it nets out because I'm definitely not uh, calling my, uh, my shots too early here. We're on what? Just going into week five, so plenty of football to be played. Not going to take any victory laps, but excited to see both of those guys doing well enough so far. Well, speaking of doing well and breaking out, we got some breaking news on the show today because our friend, Mr. At DFF Moose, has his own little YouTube channel. Would you look at that? Would you look at that? People get to see his glorious face now. If you don't get enough of the moose on the show, you can head over to YouTube and just search for the dynasty moose and then maybe add a little uh, dynasty fantasy football in parentheses and you will find his YouTube channel where he started putting out videos talking about trade targets. It looks like he might be doing some daily stuff. So an exciting day for the brand. Absolutely. Nope. Stoked to see it. So definitely go check him out. uh, That'll be fun to see that grow. Yeah, he put out a uh, video today and uh, talking about, you know, if you're a contender in Dynasty, a trade target to go after. And um, I think it was him. And he had somebody else in the video with a hat on. I think it was Austin Martell from one of our leagues. I, I, I couldn't um, tell. It's just uh, someone else. Exactly. But but great content from the Moose. So go check out his stuff. And speaking of things to check out, fantastic tweet of the week this week from at Passer. We will link to it in the show and throw it up on Twitter. But one of the th- one of the funniest things I've seen in a while, the man just clearly laid out, if you want to be a backup running back for Joe Mixon, you need to fit one of these two requirements, and I won't I won't spoil it. Won't I'll spoil save it, it exactly. Got to go check it out. Link will be in the Check uh, it out yourself. All right, Dan. Tonight, a little bit of a different show for us. Wanted to specifically hone in on risers and fallers in the dynasty rankings. So easy way to do this picked a couple guys we want to talk about and i think one of the things i really like us doing is just using fantasy pros dynasty rankings right as a just a nice little gut check it's free everyone can check it out but rises and fallers we have four weeks of nfl play in the books dan i'm gonna let you lead it off tonight give me your first riser or faller all right. Well, I guess we'll start with someone that I definitely do have some receipts for here, uh, as do you, because uh, he's a guy that you and I both really, really like. I'm going to talk about Mr. DeAndre Swift, who I think looking back uh, at ADP, he was going around like RB12, sometimes as, as late as like RB16, depending on kind of the sources that you look at. Um, I am stoked to see him come out uh, kind of red hot for these first four weeks, which again, we're, we're looking at a very short trend line here, but he's starting to do a lot of the things that we really wanted to see him do going into this season. Um, so just to kind of rattle off, I mean, he's ninth in fantasy points per game right now through week four, which is fantastic. But if you drill down a little bit, he is first 
uh, in yards after the catch for RB. And he's actually second overall player behind Debo Samuel when it comes to yards after the catch, which is awesome. He's creating his own opportunities off of that uh, and just is his talent showing out 100%. Uh, he's second in RB targets and receptions, both behind another guy that we really like and we're high on going into this year, Najee Harris. And he's second in receiving yards. So he is making his money off of being able to uh, be a pass catching running back, which is what we knew he was able to be. It's hard because you started to see a lot of narratives come in. Uh, the Lions are going to be a bad offense. It's Jared Goff. Uh, their coach is kind of crazy. <laughs> like all these different things that were giving people reasons to just kind of ignore his talent when you're kind of looking at it now. And just like as we were, we were saying why we liked uh, TJ Hawkinson, sometimes just out of necessity, targets have to go somewhere and they're going to go towards talent. I would argue right now DeAndre Swift is like their second most talented receiver because the wide receivers are all a bunch of other kind of older guys, uh, journey guys who came in or some younger guys that need some opportunity to kind of hone their skills a little bit. So he's easily starting to get uh, a lot of that share right off of the bat. You have Jamal Williams there. I I love him. Um, if you haven't seen any of his like post-game interviews or pre-game interviews, kid is hilarious. He's just a goofball. Um, so nothing against him. He's actually been pretty uh, effective right now. And I think, at least for the first few weeks, you saw them both as top 10. Um, but now we're really starting to see the coaching staff um, increase Swift's workload. I think he had his highest amount of snaps uh, in this past week four as compared to the other ones. So you're starting to see him utilize a lot more. Um, just to kind of go back and take a look, like when people are saying, oh, it's Jared Goff. Jared Goff made uh, Todd Gurley very fantasy relevant. And now he has another pass catching running back who can be utilizing goal line as well. So I guess the the moral of the story here is there was all these different narratives, offseason narratives that came about that really pushed his ADP down. But when you looked at it like from a pure talent perspective and, and still even opportunity perspective, Swift was always just kind of the screaming by and ability to to be a what I'm going to say and I Max I'm, I'm curious if you disagree top five dynasty RB I really do think he's probably right now easily for a lot of people in that top eight which is kind of where I was projecting him for this year um, I would say that what he's proven out now a lot of people would even start to kind of put him in their top five so just kind of rattling off I mean where I stand with him with his age and just kind of upside and opportunity going forward I want him over players like Mixon uh, I want him over players like Nick Chubb, who I really love, and I think he's a fantastic rusher. Um, I've, of course, I mean, some people may or may disagree, but uh, I want him more than Derrick Henry, and I want him more than Austin Eckler, who I honestly think is kind of like he's the next wave of our next kind of Austin Eckler uh, in just this PPR protege who's going to really make his mark over the next few years. So uh, that's that's kind of why I am really excited about DeAndre Swift. I think he's rocketing up Dynasty's. Uh, uh, boards and it's going to be really interesting to see how he plays out the rest of this year. And he's in that zone where it's hard to rock it up, right? Like yeah. he already was a top dynasty player. And this is where kind of the wisdom of the Debbie crowds can be instructive. I mean, Deandre Swift was a Debbie darling yeah. and he's had this pedigree for so long, gets the draft capital comes in with a lot of other true workhorse backs that class Definitely. last year was absolutely stacked and was only added to when antonio gibson and james robinson hit so i agree i think he's top five i think if you want to get even a little crazier you could talk about pushing him up top four top three yeah 
you know, he's certainly benefited rankings wise from having guys like Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins, you know, have these significant injuries. And, and that's certainly helped. But I mean, he's proven that he can carry the load and be what we thought he could be in an offense that's really just not that great. Exactly. No, so I agree. And the only thing I'd say with that is I think you're right. I, I see him now in that top five. And as you said, you could even push top three. I think his value is still lagging just a little bit behind because, again, he was being drafted as like uh, average of 12, sometimes as as low as like RB16. Some people are now saying, oh, maybe he's a top 10. Like, get in on the value now because I truly believe that it's only going to get more expensive and almost impossible to be able to buy him as the season goes on. I sent a text to a league mate this morning that is 0-8. You know, we use the league median yep. scoring, so you get an extra point every week. He's 0-8, and, and I said, hey, buddy, name the price on DeAndre Swift. So there we, go. we eat at our own restaurant here at the <laughs> Dynasty Dining, exactly. right? This is... This is stuff that we're doing all the time. And, you know, to pull back the curtain a tiny bit, Dan, because I got to jam in some self, you know, some pat myself on the back here. Absolutely. When when Dan told me he wanted to do DeAndre Swift, I said, we can do that on one condition as long as I get to remind folks that on our very first episode, which I would not recommend listening to, but no. this is accurate, I said back in July, I believe, of 2020, that DeAndre Swift was a top 20 player in Dynasty. And here we are. Correct. And honestly, I owe a lot of my uh, kind of love and research for him uh, to you because you you started to bring him up. So it is it is fun to see that uh, kind of come full circle sometimes. So let's move on to another player that listeners to the show. Well, it'll be no surprise that I think he's especially moving up boards. And that is at 24 years old, Panthers wide receiver superstar, DJ Moore. And I we have one of our leagues that we're in together. I post an annual poll. I might have missed it this year, actually. But for, for a long time, I did an annual poll before the season start. Better player, DJ Moore or Calvin Ridley. And for a long time, the only vote in the DJ Moore realm was me, maybe Dan, <laughs> if he was feeling frisky. It's, it's just um, But these are two guys that came into the league together. And I will get back to Ridley in a moment. But we are seeing this ascension from DJ Moore as a true alpha receiver that we've been hoping for all along, right? Still 24 years old through four games this year. He's got 30 receptions, 400 yards and three touchdowns, which is crazy because touchdowns have been his problem in they fantasy have. football yeah. the last couple of years, only eight combined touchdowns the last two years. So he's already pacing to smash what he's done the last couple of years. And he's number four in fantasy points per game through week four. I think that we're seeing a correction in uh with with the new regime of darnold and the coaching staff of like we got to feed this guy he can make plays in every quadrant of the field and you're just seeing it in the box score this year he's lighting it up um you know he had a fantastic game this last week and to me you know i hear a sound and i think that's dj moore knocking on the top five wide receivers in dynasty dan and i feel like that's a much hotter take than putting swift in the top five yeah I don't think he's there yet, but I think he's so close. And I was looking at Fantasy Pros rankings, and they had a couple players listed over him that I would absolutely take over, uh, that I would absolutely take DJ Moore over. The aforementioned Calvin Ridley, definitely want DJ Moore. Terry McLaurin, it's close, but give me DJ Moore, buy back a couple years at the position. I'm even taking DJ Moore over Stefan Diggs, who, you know, people might call me crazy for last year, but again, an age difference. And the ascension we're seeing from Moore, 
Where the lines start to get blurred for me is someone like a Devontae Adams, right? Who's yeah. about to, I believe, turn 29. Yep. Or someone like a Jamar Chase who is younger but has not established himself at the league yet. So I could go on about DJ Moore for days. Dan, what's your take on this? Yeah, no, it's. Uh, I think it, to, to kind of recap there with your blurred lines, I think that's kind of where I'm at right now too. But I look at those names and about five of the names that you kind of rattled off. There's a lot of question marks about their future QB. Um, I think you have that with Ridley. You have that with Devontae Adams. You have that with Calvin, uh, uh, Terry McLaurin. Um, so any of those guys, it's kind of like, okay, like they're such talented guys, but we don't know what the future holds when it comes to QB. And it's hard. It's kind of like with the, the Pittsburgh Steelers right now as well, like with Big Ben, like what? They, they've been fantastic, but you're seeing the wheels fall off there. Any of these other guys, either they're going to get traded away or start to really show their rust. So you have a guy like DJ Moore, who Sam Darnold, again, it is just so funny. Can we please just make sure that Adam Gase never gets another job again? Because once again, we're seeing once someone gets out from under the his his uh, his boots, he just starts to blossom and actually become the, their best selves. I think you have to discover your worst self to become your best self. And I think Adam Gase helps them show them the demons so that they can become the better players in the end. Because uh, you're just seeing Sam Darnold's looked really good. He still has a lot to prove. Don't get me wrong. But he's at least a young guy that has done very well so far, which when in doubt, when I have kind of a tier of, of guys and I kind of want to figure out who I have bubbled up towards the top. QB, youth, and opportunity in the future definitely helps uh, kind of bump a, a couple guys up. And that's where I think that uh, that happens with DJ Moore for me. Yeah, I mean, Adam Gase might be my one exception to the uh, no coach narrative street on this show. <laughs> yeah. Dan. But I nope. mean, it is the track record is it's not happened great. a good amount of time. So we'll see. We'll see. So let's keep it moving. Um, flip the position a little bit and let's talk about a running back that frowny face yeah in your eyes maybe not doing so hot in the dynasty rankings these womp, days. Womp. yeah we're gonna talk about a guy that i think you and i even kind of mentioned like uh, he's a good opportunity to try and buy low in because it was such an ambiguous situation going into this year and this is guy miles gaskin uh he's 24 so youngish, um, but definitely that's even starts to get to the middle territory for RB age where you, you really want to, if they're 24, they got to start showing out uh, if you want to be holding on to them. And as we said, it was an ambiguous situation, but there were a couple red flags that were kind of tossed onto the field a little bit where you're like, okay, should, is there kind of smoke here that should, we should be paying attention to? Because um, I think this started to become a little bit of a, a case of situation over talent. You saw there was plenty of reports out there that were saying that the Dolphins were just loving the fact that Javante Williams was going to be falling to them in the draft. And then you had the Broncos trade up over them uh, to be able to to snag him, knowing that the, the Dolphins were going to take him. Uh, then you had them bring in and a couple like older vets and stuff. And at first it was kind of like, uh, let's just make sure that we have a, a, a decent amount of running backs in the space. Uh, so you brought in like a Malcolm Brown, et cetera, uh, which didn't seem really kind of threatening. And then you also had this like he had been productive enough in uh, the past year, but he didn't have much draft capital. Right. And so we know just you and I talk about it tend to be a little bit more on the draft capital snobs because I feel like 
you get a few more at-bats, even if your performance uh, suffers a little bit just because of the sunk cost fallacy that a lot of teams kind of fall into. You're going to get a couple chances to kind of prove out, whereas it's really, it's not three strikes you're out. Sometimes it's one or two strikes you're out for uh, either undrafted or very low drafted uh, running backs there. So we're kind of taking a look at it now, and he was drafted as the RB27, so it's not like he paid a whole bunch, but he was being taken ahead of, opportunity cost-wise, ahead of David Montgomery, Chase Edmonds, Darrell Henderson, some guys that you probably very likely wish you had over him at this time. Um, and so looking at kind of what's happened, he's had uh, a highest snap share of about 61%, which right off the bat for a running back that you catches some passes, you would hope he'd be out there more. Well, womp womp going into... Week four, he had a uh, a high of 23% snap share, uh, and he was outrushed and out-targeted by Malcolm Brown. Not someone, not something you want to see for someone that you probably likely, if you were kind of punting on RB, and this was a lot of people's strategy, you're like your RB2, right? So with that, he's only 42nd in rushing yards as well. So he's not getting that kind of like, in, in, to be honest, I'm going to disclose too, like that's kind of where DeAndre Swift is right now. Like DeAndre Swift isn't making his hay on, on being able to be a rushing, a pure rushing court, uh, running back right now. But if you're going to be that low in rushing yards, you need to be fully making it up on the receiving end, which Miles Gaskin is not. So it's, it's hard because we wanted to see something kind of bubble up from this um, kind of running back crew where you saw someone that performed very well continue to hold on to that. But this is a committee and a committee through and through, it seems. Uh, so it's unfortunate, but I, I see him kind of falling down my dynasty regs uh, because he doesn't have much of anything to hang his hat on right now. That's like, a I believe that this uh, kid can kind of overcome this situation right now. And it's only gotten worse with uh, Tua going down. Uh, now you have uh, Jacoby Brissett in there who is game manager at best and is really just not getting the the most out of that running back core. Yeah, and I feel like undrafted or late drafted running backs or any player, really, um, they're like the Rodney Dangerfield of the NFL. They get no respect, right? So this is why I am a draft capital snob when people ask me about the draft capital stuff because – Miles Gaskin was a mega producer at at Washington. I mean, he was just lighting up the box score. We're talking 12, yeah. 1300 yards over four seasons there. So huge, huge production from him. You know, getting outrushed and out-targeted by Malcolm Brown, who's been the upside assassin of uh of fantasy football <laughs> yep. for a lot of yep. people lately. That's true. Um, is is not a good sign. And unfortunately, it's it's crazy with these teams because you feel like James Robinson last year showed, I mean, best undrafted rookie running back season of all time. Yep. And what is what does the Jaguars organization do? They go out and they take a running back in the first round. So these, yeah. the margin for error with these players is just so low. And even though that in I want to root for these guys, I think Miles Gaskin could be a featured running back in the right situation. I definitely think James Robinson could be a featured running back in the right situation. Sometimes the NFL just just tells us otherwise, and and that's yeah. why you have to really kind of react to this stuff in real time. You know, moving people up and down the rankings or where you can see them going, whether you're trying to buy or sell them. Yep, and and again, we reiterate too. It's week four. We could easily see that he has a injury that is being managed a little bit. That's why snap share went down, etc. Don't want to overreact to these situations, but certainly when we're talking about what we've seen thus far, he's a faller for me. All right. 
So this next one, this, this one's going to take some finessing. Okay. Right. I don't want to upset people here. So <laughs> I got to pivot to somebody that I don't think is a huge surprise is a follower in the dynasty rankings. I just want to be careful about how I frame it up. Yeah. And that is Mr. Julio Jones. So the first thing I'm going to say here, Julio Jones is one of the best wide receivers to ever step on a football field. That is not up for debate. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer. No issue. However, <laughs> however, I don't think anybody has any issue with that. We need to frame this up in terms of dynasty right now, right? So Julio Jones is 32 years old. 2019 was 30 years old, played 15 games, still monster production for dynasty purposes, fantasy purposes from Julio Jones. Number three in fantasy points per game. Last year, only played nine games. Two of those games had less than 35% snap share, right? So either yep. on the field, off the field, injuries, we don't know what the deal was there. Still number 14 in fantasy points per game. On a per-game basis, when Julio Jones was out there, he was making plays, making things happen. 2021, through four games this year, is where it starts to get very difficult, right? Yeah. He's only played three games and has not lit up the box score. I'm not going to say I've watched every single Titan snap, but the the metrics don't look great so far. Um, was out this past week. Um, and right now in the season, you know, this puts dynasty owners in a tough spot because you need to make some decisions on these guys. And the Julio Jones archetype, it, it really, this is the part where we start to see the production diminish, if, yep. you know, historically. You look at someone like, Andre Johnson, another just size, speed, freak X wide receiver, 1,400 yards at age 32, and it was downhill from there. Demarius Thomas barely made it to 1,000 yards at age 30, and then the production just kind of went off a cliff. Randy Moss, I'm, I'm not going to include Calvin Johnson because he retired. I'm sure he could have still lit it up for a couple years, sure. but no, I believe he retired at age 30 because he was upset about playing for the Lions and he had, he had gone on record saying how much his body had endured over those 10 years in exactly. the NFL, nine, 10 years in the NFL. Randy Moss, 1,200 yards with the Patriots at age 32. By the next season, he was playing for a couple different teams and the production just wasn't there. Yeah. And A.J. Green lit it up his first 10 years in the NFL. We're, we're seeing a little resurgence now, right? Yep. He scored some touchdowns. For sure. But... You know, he hasn't had a thousand yard season since 2017. And the larger point I'm trying to make here is everybody knows that Julio Jones is falling in the dynasty rankings. That's not a secret. Yeah. What I'm trying to do is help our listeners understand that these are decisions you need to make on, on these players when they're in their late twenties and early thirties. Right. Yep. I tend to be relatively risk averse uh, and maybe a little bit of an ageist as you've accused me of being also before. Fair. Also fair. Uh, but I tend to be relatively risk averse with these older players just because historically it, it's pretty clear. The trend yeah. line after after age 29, 30 starts going down. So I, I try to tread carefully, Dan. I don't want to upset anyone. Julio Jones is one of the best players you can ever see the last two decades. But he's falling in the dynasty rankings. And even if you're a contender right now, yeah. I'm not sure what your plan is with Julio Jones. No, and it's uh, as as you teed up, which I believe is very nicely. It's like respect 
like crazy for Julio Jones, right? Like what we need to separate here is fantasy from like NFL. Like he could even very well continue to be a great NFL asset and NFL player, but dynasty is sometimes like the stock market, right? And you got to be able to kind of know when you're going to make your move because there can be cliffs and they can be very dangerous. Again, I mean, the different situation in many regards, but what's Todd Gurley worth nowadays, right? Like there is a point where a fantastic NFL and fantasy asset can fall off a cliff and you really always want to try and get ahead of it. And you're starting to see at this point that he's not returning on the value that you had previously. And however, there's so many people who do have name recognition with him and and maybe believe that Julio Jones will play until he's 35 and, and be the Julio Jones of old. We're here to say that's personally not our take on it and so if there's an opportunity to be able to capitalize on name value to be able to ship him off uh, I don't think you're going to be missing him too much over the next two years uh, but certainly excited for him to be as you said a first ballot hall of famer and be able to be celebrated and recognized for his amazing talents uh, that he's had in the NFL and and crazy things have happened you know I would think a lot of people would be skeptical about buying Julio Jones and dynasty from someone right now. But I mean, yep. we were in a league together, a super flex league where someone traded a late first for a couple games of drew Brees to try yep. to go win a championship. Exactly. Last year. So these things happen. Always be aware of these decisions you need to make for the players. Luckily, the next player we're talking about has a considerable age difference between him and Julio Jones. <laughs> so Dan, let's jump into one of your favorite upside running backs, Mr. Kenny Gainwell. Kenny Gainwell. Yeah, seriously, as we're talking about the time machine, go back 10 years. Uh, kid is 22. So just starting, just starting as a rookie, his uh, NFL career here. Uh, and he's been one that's just been really fun to see someone come out of. I, I really liked him as a prospect, but it was always, and again, I, this is a reminder for myself. Like if you like a guy, even if he's sitting behind someone else that you really like, buy in on them because you never know how it's going to shake out. And I've, I've always liked Miles Sanders. I've always been a little underwhelmed uh, with like him not reaching his full ceiling, especially with some of the injury stuff. Again, another reason that Gainwell would have been a buy uh, previously because he runs into those things sometimes. But um, he was a fifth rounder out of Memphis, uh, had some some good kind of production there in college. But fifth rounder, okay, let's see how things work out. Might take a couple years for him to kind of find his foothold. But sure enough, the Eagles are liking him very much uh, as it stands right now because he's starting to steal work from someone that we very well thought was uh, a bell cow and actually was being drafted as such uh, maybe on the the later end but still uh, someone who's being treated as the RB1 clearly um, on their team so we take a look at it now and through four weeks he is tied for 10th in RB targets he's tied for 13th in receptions He's number 16 in receiving yards. This is not someone who is being drafted anywhere close to those types of numbers. And of course, we got to see if that type of stuff keeps up. But we started to see him command uh, at least uh, one third of the total snap share there. And it started to continue to trend up a little bit as things have gone on. And he's actually beating Miles Sanders out on fantasy points per game, uh, third down snap rate, and red zone looks like some other key areas that you really want to be able to have for a fantasy producing running back. Um, personally, like I always just going into um, this NFL draft and certainly now he's always reminded me of like this James White, Naheem Hines, just prolific uh, pass catching running back. Honestly, I think I had him pegged as probably my favorite pass catching uh, receiving uh, RB in this class. Um, but if you look at the potential total upside, 
Like, he could be an Austin Eckler-esque type of guy who, again, was sitting behind a Melvin Gordon, started to just be a really great, reliable third-down pass catcher uh, with uh, red zone ability. And so I'm not going to proclaim that right now, but, like, I've seen enough to know that that could potentially be in the realm of possibility, and he's nowhere near that type of price tag or really being pegged as such right now. So he's a he's a great handcuff in itself, right? Because as we've said, Miles Sanders can oft get hurt sometimes, which is unfortunate, and I don't wish that on the kid. Um, but he has standalone value. I mean, he's outproducing uh, Miles Sanders in a lot of these metrics here right now. So I'm very curious to see how things trend there's this kind of question going into like what is the future of miles sanders have they seen enough from a gainwell to have confidence kind of giving him more of a of a share to keep that a committee where you are able to get some really great flex to rb3 to even rb2 upside with kenny gainwell um without having had to uh, pay that price so he's someone i'm really kind of trying to pursue in a lot of areas because i don't think people have fully caught on uh i think people are maybe kind of seeing it as a little bit more of a um not a full trend but right now i'm looking at it and i, I know we talked about the guy and as max said so might be shoveling a little dirt on him but uh, i would take him over miles gaskin uh, a fellow miles i would take him over leonard fournette who's been uh pretty productive uh melvin gordon who i believe is like rb 17 on the year so far uh darrell henderson and another young guy that i think people really like um but i think he lacks the ppr or even half ppr upside that um kenny gainwell does is uh aj Dillon. i would also take uh take him over uh him as well so those are all guys that i think that's a little bit amorphous right now um it's there's plenty to kind of see how things net out but he's a guy I'm very excited about and uh, am very interested in picking up in a lot of dynasty uh, leagues right now as a riser. Yeah, there's some good names on that list. Um, somebody might dub a couple of those a little hot takey. I don't think any of them are crazy. And I think it's so interesting with Gainwell because this is a guy who put up a 1,500-yard rushing season at Memphis yeah. just two years ago sits out this past season and because his name isn't Jamar Chase, right? I mean, maybe fell in the draft because of that. I was yeah. really hoping as an aforementioned draft capital snob was really hoping during the draft that he was going to get his name called on day two. I was hoping that he went in the second or third round and honestly to a backfield that wasn't Philadelphia because I do like Miles Sanders. Although, yeah. you know, the, uh, the, the record right now is the track record on Miles Sanders this year. Not great so far, it's for but certain. Kenny Gainwell, a lot of talent, a lot of upside. Anytime you are a fifth round pick and can walk in and start stealing snaps from somebody who has proven themselves to be good at football, like Miles Sanders. I'm not yep. saying he's, you know, top tier running back in dynasty anymore, no. but good at football, Miles Sanders. It's a great sign. I like the call. And he's definitely somebody that, you know, I'd be looking to acquire as well if he's either on the block or people just haven't gotten, you know, savvy to what he's able to do yet. Agreed, because I think people will become savvy pretty soon. So we got around the show out, Dan. We do. And we were talking before the show. I was like, I gave myself a tough assignment um, this week. And I I structured the players that we were going to talk about in a certain way because I wanted to get through the Julio Jones stuff before maybe an even tougher topic to bring up right now. This is and true. that is DeAndre Hopkins. Yep. So. DeAndre Hopkins is a faller for me in Dynasty, and I'm not saying he's plummeting down the rankings. I'm just saying he's probably going to get drafted, you know, or I'm valuing him a little bit less than I used to. 
I can guarantee you this offseason, startups are going to happen and DeAndre Hopkins will still get picked in the top few rounds of a startup draft. Sure. Right? DeAndre Hopkins is 29 years old, finished last year number two in targets, got the volume on the Zona team, number five in fantasy points per game. I traded away DeAndre Hopkins last year on one of my dynasty teams. And at the end of the season, I was kind of kicking myself a little bit. And I was like, did I get out too early? You know, was I, was I getting a little too cute with some of my dynasty moves this year? You know, I'm thanking past max so far because we're not seeing the volume, right? Cardinals team that's spreading the ball out like crazy along with Kyler tucking and running when he can. Exactly. And He's number 39 in targets so far through four games and only number 26 in fantasy points per game. So DeAndre Hopkins, he's at that, he's at that age where we were just talking about with Julio, right? Except Julio's three years past Hopkins. You as dynasty leaguers are going to have to start making some tough decisions about these players. But every time I look at this stuff, I try to put myself in two situations, looking at it right now is this move going to help me rebuild or contend? And then I do that same analysis. What is this move going to look like a year from now, right? What will this move look like when DeAndre Hopkins is 30 years old and has historically probably not that many years left to keep putting up fantasy points for my team. So I looked at super, I looked at uh, fantasy pros, Superflex rankings, and I, I think they're very good, especially at the top. There's a couple names that stuck out to me that I think I would be willing to move DeAndre Hopkins for as part of a package or maybe even straight up, depending on the situation. Chris Godwin is one of them that Mm -hmm. I think I would personally rather have over DeAndre Hopkins. And T. Higgins, you know, had a great rookie year last year. Sure, I know it's been up and down through four weeks with the Bengals, but fantastic profile coming out of Clemson. Um, Those are two guys that that just stuck out to me as I, I would prefer them to Hopkins. And it's fair. And I mean, th- this is kind of where I, I think we're calling attention to, to Hopkins because the other story that we're talking about with Julio, Julio right now, it is if you are a contending team, it's kind of harder to move off of him because his value is not where you want it to be. Like Hopkins is, is still kind of at peak value. And so it is the opportunity to be able to trade uh, Chris God for Chris Godwin or T Higgins. You can't do that with Julio Jones. You can't. Uh, and and you're, he's kind of like now you're stuck with him retiring on your team, which can be great. I mean, he's if that's the way that you want to structure your team and kind of uh, play along with that, sure. Ride him into the sunset and see him retire, whatever it is. Like sometimes you have to do that with certain fancy players. If you're not looking to do that, then you have to draw that line. Right now, DeAndre Hopkins is in that situational line. How is your team structured? What value do you need? Are there other holes on your team that you could use a DeAndre Hopkins to go fix? Um, that might suit you better in the long term to be able to pursue something like that instead of uh, grinding through the next one or two years of getting some continued production out of Hopkins because that value, even if he has that production, people are going to see his age. They're going to see him maybe not getting as many looks and being the sole focus of an offense and start to pursue other paths because I think you are easily going to get a lot more runway uh, and rewind the clock a little bit if you're working with a T. Higgins or a Chris Godwin there. So. Again, it's not to disrespect these guys. They are fantastic NFL players, um, but you have to figure out, especially when it's uh, situational for your team, where you're going to draw that line, how you want to structure it, and looking at the current and then the, as you said, 
two years down the line, where would a certain move involving DeAndre Hopkins put me? So I think you should start to consider it because uh, I'm always the proponent of try and be one year ahead of that cliff instead of one year behind because it is a uh, exponential difference in what you're able to um, move in terms of value at that point. Very well said. One thing I want to add there too is, and this is sometimes the problem with uh, Dynasty versus Debbie. You know, when you are trading, like let's say you're going to flip DeAndre Hopkins for some picks, it can be very hard to visualize what those picks turn into, right? Yeah. Um, you know, we had, <laughs> I traded a player a couple of years ago. I mean, we're talking, I it was back in maybe 2019, flipped him for a first and was able to take Justin Fields with that pick in a rookie draft this yep. year, right? And And clearly get some return value. So, and I think we've talked about doing this more on the show, right? Is helping people understand what kind of talent is in the pipeline from the college ranks. Because exactly. to flip DeAndre Hopkins for some picks that are nameless, faceless right now, it feels like a tough thing to do. Yeah. But when you can understand that we have the Isaiah Spillers, the Brees Halls, like all these new and upcoming running backs and the Traylon Burks and these guys that are just lighting it up in college right now that we get excited about, then when you start talking about flipping DeAndre Hopkins for some of those guys, it gets exciting. hundred percent. Sometimes people just need to see the name associated with it. And you can't right now, but have faith. And that's kind of what we do want to bring people up to speed on is like, there is such that, that promising talent on that horizon. Uh, and in order to get the full value out of it, sometimes you do need to take the, the nameless, uh, faceless uh, pick and transform it into those guys later on next season. All right, Dan, a lot of good risers and fallers, some great action items for the listeners. Um, like I said, I really want to start bringing some of that um, college highlights and highlighting the upcoming talent to the Love show. It. But I think we've done enough damage for one day. This is true. So, I think we got to uh, close her out now. So getting out of here for today, this is the Dynasty Dynamic. You stay classy, Dynasty Leaguers. Thanks for tuning in.